Hey, welcome to Bruise Culture. I'm your host, Evan Schwab. I own the gaming site Big Cultures, and I'm an aspiring Cicero. I'm here to help you pair quality craft beers with great games in order to maximize your leisure time. We'll talk about some of the best breweries and their histories alongside the ins and outs of games and the gaming industry. So stop in, take a load off, and enjoy excellent brews with us as we explore two of the most profitable business industries. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode three of Brews Culture. We got a great show for you today featuring two of my personal all-time favorite experiences in both the video game industry and the world of beer. We'll talk about those in a little bit, but before we get into that, one of the most ridiculous news stories I've seen in a while, especially in regards to the video game industry, uh, comes all the way from Nagoya, Japan, where an unemployed man was arrested on February 4th on suspicion of illegally importing characters from Pokemon. Uh, this is according to the Mainichi, which uh, was a Japanese news outlet. And they reported that, according to the local police, um, the 23-year-old man had made close to 11,000 US dollars or 1.15 million yen from the modified data in a little over a year. Right? It's crazy, though, thinking that somebody could be arrested over modifying data. According to this article, um, he violated part of the Unfair Competition Prevention Act by modifying the characters that appear in Nintendo Switch's Pokemon Sword and Shield on his PC in April of 2020. So apparently it didn't consider the stuff he did before April of 2020, I guess. So he would save Pokemon abilities on his Switch after jailbreaking it, and then sold the data to others. And he's admitted to these charges. Um, you know, obviously you can get in trouble for jailbreaking illegally different devices. I mean, if you think about it, remember uh, after Sony took away the Linux... Uh, capabilities on the PS3 and we had people jailbreaking their PS3 consoles that there was a, a pretty big uh, uproar from Sony with these people who were doing it, posting it on YouTube and such. So, um, you know, and then I have, I have my own feelings on that that aren't here or there, but obviously modifying intellectual property like that, I could be taken the wrong way. At the same time, if he bought it, he owns it, I feel he could probably do what he wants with it outside of maybe selling it. I could see where that gets a little, uh, little hazy, little gray area. So anyway, that's our fun piece of news for today. It's crazy, as uh, it really baffles me that somebody is arrested for modifying data. In any case, we've got, as I mentioned earlier, two terrific experiences to talk about today. So the first would be Revolution Brewing Company. They're based in Chicago, Illinois, uh, and they make a slew of incredible beers. Revolution distributes their beer between Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, New York City, and Wisconsin. According to Revolution themselves, in 2017, they became the 40th largest craft brewery and 50th largest overall brewery uh, in the United States, according to the Brewers Association Top 50 Brewing Companies by sales volume. So like I said, they make just a handful of really good beers, and even though their distribution channels are relatively low, they might be a little bit bigger than where Three Floyds is now, 
they uh, they still only reach seven states and New York City. So uh, it is interesting that they can land in the top 50 largest breweries in the country. So for our beer of choice today, we will be looking at Revolution's Anti-Hero. Now, I believe I mentioned this in the first episode, but when I met my wife, I hadn't really jumped into the whole craft beer experience. I was still just like a uh, Labatt Blue type of dude, which is fine, you know? I, lo- I still like Labatt Blue. Um, and if you're not into craft beer, that's cool too. But I was not into the craft beer world. However, my wife was a big fan of IPA. So we met at Market Garden Brewing of terrific Cleveland Brewery, uh, one of my favorite local breweries, and had a great time. I, I don't remember what I ordered there, to be honest, but it was some sort of lager, um, you know, something light. Hit it off so well, we ended up going to another terrific location that's unfortunately closed now in uh, downtown Cleveland. It was called The Greenhouse. It was there that I decided, you know, I like this girl, so let's have an IPA. And the IPA of choice was Antihero. Holds special memories to me for really being something that my wife and I were able to initially bond over. You know, and the artwork is really cool. Um, It's a uniformed soldier, and in the background there are little hops um, parachuting in, and then obviously the Revolution Fist, um, the iconic Revolution Fist adorns the can as well. Um, But it was my first IPA, so I have really good memories tied to um, Antihero. Now, what is Antihero? It's it's your relatively run-of-the-mill IPA, um, about 6.7% alcohol content, which is about uh, a bit higher than Zombie Dust and quite a bit lower than Dew of the Universe, which is what we've covered in the past. Um, Regardless, it's uh, still one of my personal favorites. So it is described as being extremely aromatic, um, very crisp, and something that's very drinkable, and I agree. It features Warrior, Chinook, Centennial, and Amarillo hops uh, mixed together to create a bitterness um, that's very crisp and leaves you with sort of flowery, citrusy aroma. It is distinctive to me. Um, It stands out amongst IPAs to me personally. I know I probably say this a lot, but it really is unlike many other IPAs. So the cool piece about this one is that it is the flagship quote-unquote IPA for Revolution Brewing, meaning, you know, this is like, this is one of their biggest beers. Now, that said, um, and because we'll likely not touch upon them anytime soon in this show because of how I want to space out all of the beers and and breweries that we're looking at, they do have a long list of beers, um, IPAs, that are in the Hero line. You can find a variety pack every year of all the different Hero beers, and the Hero beers all feature in their names, like what type of hops they're focused on. So you'll have like Amarillo Hero, um, Centennial Hero, things like that. And and they're all they're all pretty good, but anti-hero is like that mainstay, consistent, you can find it anywhere type of beer. So moving on to taste, mouthfeel, profiling the beer. It does pour out a you know dark blonde, light amber coloration to it. And really a crisp kind of medium to full mouthfeel. Um, but crisp is probably the best way to describe how it feels in your mouth. It is memorable, as I said before. Um, and the scent is, again, it's flowery. It's uh, citrusy. Um, you can definitely smell tangerine, um, grapefruit type of deal within. It's good. It's good. Beer Advocate, Revolution, Anti-Hero sits at a solid 92, an outstanding score. 
average of 4.11 out of 5 from its user base, uh, which puts it in the top like 3,000 beers. Um, I'm sorry, rank number 209. The score, a 92, is ranked in the top 3,300 beers. So, yeah, it's it's a delicious beer. Um, IBU sits at around 65, so it's not terribly bitter, but it is full of hoppiness. It is a fully flavored IPA. So if you are a fan of really tasting the hops, uh, Antihero will satisfy your thirst. You know, unlike Zombie Dust, which is a terrific, you know, one of my favorite beers, Antihero is the full IPA experience in my head. Zombie Dust also is a great American pale ale experience, but it's so much smoother. And that's not a, you know, a good or bad thing comparatively. It's just two different things. So Antihero is going to taste like an IPA. It's going to have that heavy hoppiness to it um, with a relatively moderate bitterness, um, a nice full uh, crispy mouthfeel. But it's going to be very different from Zombie Dust, and it's going to be very different from Dew of the Universe if you're comparing the, uh, the the previous triple IPA to this. And obviously, triple IPA is a whole different beast. But um, Antihero, if, if you're getting into craft beer and you really want to try a full real IPA, Antihero is one of the best bets. So much like Antihero is a revolution brewing staple. It's their mascot of beers of sorts. So too is Final Fantasy VII for Squaresoft, uh, now Square Enix. Final Fantasy VII is the video game that really got me into game. Much like Antihero is the IPA that got me into craft beer, Final Fantasy VII is the video game that really pulled me in. Now, unlike Antihero, which I had on the first day with my wife, I purchased my original copy of Final Fantasy VII in whatever year it was when I was in fifth grade. I do not lie when I say Final Fantasy VII changed my life. All right, this is, it's not a dramatic change. It's not like it saved my life, but it set the trajectory of what I would do. The storytelling in Final Fantasy VII was something I had never seen in a game before. It was tremendous on so many levels, and it was something I hadn't seen. And in, in fifth grade, you're very, you know, you're still malleable. You're still becoming your own person. So to have something so significantly impact your life, um, it really pushed the needle where I was going to go. So I fell in love with this game. Like I put hundreds of hours into it as a kid. Um, My original copy was the Trapezoid box on PC. And then I purchased a copy for the PlayStation. um, And obviously the remake when it came out in April, I believe of 2020. So Final Fantasy VII, really the storytelling, as I said, it, it just, it enraptured me. Like, I loved it. The characters were phenomenal um, and heartbreaking and real. And the gameplay was terrific. And the visuals for the time were something like you hadn't seen before. And the battle graphics were a step above anything, you know, any of its competitors. So falling in love with the storytelling, I, you know, fell deeper into reading. I'd love to read anyway, but this really made me thirst for more and more content. So Final Fantasy VII pushed me into Final Fantasy VIII, which became um, one of my favorite RPGs of all time. Final Fantasy VIII pushed me to continue, you know, down this path. Um, I would not have ended up as an English teacher, as a writer, as a podcast host for Brews Culture, um, as the owner of Big Cultures, if it wasn't for the significant influence of Final Fantasy VII. It's really profound for me when I think about it like that, because, I mean, that's huge. That is my life. 
Would I have met my wife? Would I have had uh, my beautiful daughter? Would anything be even remotely the same had I not played Final Fantasy VII? I mean, it, it is it is that impactful on my life. Now, what is Final Fantasy VII? I'm sure if you're into video games and you're listening to this podcast because of the video game aspect of it, you know what Final Fantasy VII is, most likely. It is what many consider Squaresoft's magnum opus, their masterpiece. Now, obviously, there's, there's a number of people who say, you know, Final Fantasy VI is the one. Final Fantasy Fantasy 10 is the one, um, and then the other camp would be Final Fantasy 7. They're all worthy of praise, but Final Fantasy 7 was that one that really brought Squaresoft into the mainstream, really brought RPGs from the uh, east over to the west, showed that there was a market here. Um, it came out in 1997 in America on PlayStation. It came out in 98, I believe, on PC. Um, it was when I was a kid and we got our PlayStation, um, it came on the Squaresoft demo disc that came with the console. Or maybe it came in the mail. I, I remember getting a few demo discs in the mail um, after we got our PlayStation. Either way, um, and I still have the demo disc. It's one of my prized nostalgic childhood possessions. But either way, that demo disc as a kid was enough to plant the seed of wanting to purchase this game, of wanting to play it. Now, the only reason I, I was even able to get a hold of a copy um, in fifth grade, I went to Aurora Farms which is a, an outlet store with my best friend at the time who ended up being my best man at my wedding. And uh, we went into KB Toys. I saw it on the shelf of PC games for $9.99. My mom had given me, I think, 20 bucks or something like that. And uh, I bought it. And that truly, truly, and, and I, I'm not exaggerating, it truly has made all the difference. Um, and I can't be grateful enough for it because I wouldn't be where I am today without it. Now, Again, what is Final Fantasy VII? Final Fantasy VII was an epic, is an epic role-playing experience um, that was on the PS1 the P uh, and the PC, um, re-released on the PlayStation Network for download for the PSP and the PS3, eventually came out with an HD, I don't want to say remaster, I guess it was a remaster, on the PS4, before finally being remade um, into the first part of the Final Fantasy VII remake, which covered the first the first couple hours of, of the original game. The remake did. The story of Final Fantasy VII follows Cloud Strife as he originally sets out as a mercenary hired by a terrorist group called Avalanche. And Avalanche was intent on destroying and disrupting the Mako reactors owned by the mega corporation Shinra. Now, these reactors would pull the life force of the planet and use it to make energy. So I suppose you can compare it to the use of, say, fossil fuels. So Avalanche, in an effort to save the planet, would bomb, blow up, destroy um, the reactors, and Cloud was hired to uh, to help out on the first uh, reactor bombing. Obviously, the story evolves and takes off from the opening bombing mission, which sees Cloud meet uh, a new cast of characters, sees him evolve as a person, sees him take on some world-threatening enemies. Um, but Cloud and really Avalanche are two of the perfect anti-hero. Square has a history of making pretty solid, pretty memorable anti-heroes. And an anti-hero is just someone who is, is not a villain, but they're typically a hero in a story, but they don't necessarily re reflect the morals of your typical hero. So they're the anti-hero because they may be doing good, but it's not always for... You know, it, it may be for personal gain. It might be, they may be doing something decent, but their methods are awful. You know, they want to save the planet,
planet. They want to save the people living on the planet, so Avalanche is bombing reactors. But the consequences of bombing those reactors are countless lives lost in the explosions and in the retaliation of uh, the Shinra Corporation. So... Cloud and Avalanche and Barrett, who is the uh, the head of Avalanche, really personify the anti-hero, um, which makes us a nice little pairing on that level as well. So Final Fantasy VII is, as I said before, a classic role-playing experience. And what I mean by that is you have an epic storytelling experience with turn-based combat, which at the time was a really fast-paced uh, combat system. And it's still one that you can go back and enjoy playing through. Well, they don't always age well. Um, I personally enjoyed Final Fantasy VIII. I know a lot of people had issues with the combat. Final Fantasy IX's combat is probably one of the worst aged um, in the series, but seven is one you can go back to and hop right in, feel right at home, and feel comfortable and still have a good time. Much like uh, the Revolution anti-hero. Uh, I can go out and I can drink a ton of IPAs, a ton of beers, and, and try out a whole bunch of things, and I know that I can come back to the anti-hero and enjoy a beer that I know that I will always love. Uh, and, and in that sense, they're, they're a great match, anti-hero and Final Fantasy VII. So Final Fantasy VII also had a history of fans pleading for a remake for years, years. When the uh, PS4, I believe, came out, there was a Final Fantasy VII tech demo, which took the opening scene of Final Fantasy VII and put it into, you know, your updated PS4 visuals. I mean, it actually might have been included on the Final Fantasy VII Advent Children, which was a movie sequel to the game. It might have been on one of the special features for that film. And it really caused a stir in the gaming community. Like, people were like, this this is going to happen. And then it didn't. And it actually might have been a PS3. Um, I think it was a PS3. Tech demo because it was a long time ago. But in any case, people were thinking, hey, this is gonna happen. This is gonna be a thing. And then Square promptly stomped out all of those hopes and dreams and said it was more or less impossible to remake Final Fantasy VII. And it wasn't for probably close to a decade after that that during E3 it was revealed that there was a Final Fantasy VII remake happening. And it was it would be there soon. Now that soon was not a lie, but an overestimate. The uh, original company Square was using to help create the game, they ditched. So Square took all of it and essentially scrapped it to build it the way they wanted to. So the game ended up taking, I want to say, another four or five years to to finally release on consoles. And we got it right after the coronavirus pandemic hit. Um, Fortunately, production wasn't halted. Things arrived on time for most people. And uh, we were able to experience the nostalgia-inducing Final Fantasy VII Reem, which on its own was a pretty solid experience. Um, we can talk about the issues I have with the Final Fantasy VII Remake during the uh, Bruise Culture Twitch stream for this episode. But it is the first part of what likely seems to be many, based on how much time was put into the first piece, which saw Cloud... Uh, make his escapades through Midgar and uh, at the end finally escape Midgar, which was approximately a 30-hour experience that was uh, created out of maybe a two-hour opening in the original game. So there will be more, and there's supposed to be more. So today is February 9th. There will be, there will be, there's supposed to be an update on the Final Fantasy VII Remake come this weekend. We'll see if that comes true. I hope it does, just so we have some clarity on where we're at with this thing. With Final Fantasy XVI, 
coming soon as well. Square's definitely not known anymore for releasing big titles like this back to back. So we'll see. Um, so to, to give a brief recap, we experienced a little bit of Revolution Antihero, uh, Revolution Brewing out of Chicago, Illinois, which is one of my personal favorites, and the Antihero IPA, which was my first beer, the, the most welcoming beer, one of the fondest memories I have of drinking, and combined that, paired it with Final Fantasy VII. You've got the crisp, the full mouthfeel experience from Antihero m- matching the full experience of the Final Fantasy VII and all of its iterations, all of its glory. Um, if you have yet to try either Antihero or Final Fantasy VII, I highly recommend that you do all that you can to try it. Final Fantasy VII at once uh, was an expensive endeavor to invest in, but now is widely and readily available on just about every platform. I mean, you can get it on Xbox and Nintendo Switch now. It may be a little bit more difficult to get your hands on the Antihero IPA if you don't live in the Midwest, Um, but you know, maybe you have specialty retailers or specialty bars that rotate in kegs of, uh, you know, out-of-state craft beers. Maybe, I don't know. Either way, I hope you, uh, I hope you get a chance to experience both because they are significant pieces in my life and have probably some of the strongest memories, feelings, nostalgia attached to them that really make me want to share it all with, with the world. This is what, this is what the show and the world of video games and, and the, the world of craft beer is about, creating these strong, positive memories that are transformative. So remember to come check us out on social media. We are BitCultures on Twitter, um, BitCultures on Instagram, BitCultures on YouTube. Um, Come check us out on Twitch at twitch.tv slash BitCultures. And we will be every Friday running a Bruise Culture Twitch stream where I will be playing the games while drinking the beers and we can have a discussion on uh, either the game or the beer or both or you know whatever you feel like striking up a conversation about um but please come join us on all the social medias um you know we've got lots of content um that we will be putting out here and have been putting out that we would love to share with you please remember to drink responsibly uh, and we will see you in the next one